ask you to stand one last time in the honor of the reading of the Word of God as we read verses 14 through 29, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. Beginning in verse 14, the Word of God says this, And when He came to the disciples, He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw Him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to Him, greeted Him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often He has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let us pray. Father, this morning we are so grateful. God, for what an awesome God that you are. We are grateful, Lord, for the privilege to come here this morning and worship you. And God, right now, Lord, we ask God for Your anointing, God, upon the remainder of this service. God, that You would anoint the ears of our hearts that we can hear, the eyes of our hearts that we can see. God, that You would give us understanding. Lord, we pray that this very morning spiritual change would be broken, that the lost would be saved. God, that the child of God would be fearless to enter into the valley and be about the work of our Father. God, that You would move on our hearts this morning and remind us of Your great power to deliver, that You are still the great Deliverer, that there is nothing that You cannot conquer, there is nothing that You cannot do. Lord, I ask now that You would anoint me with the unction of heaven, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God, to preach this Word this morning accurately and in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Lord, have Your way with us. We pray that You'd send Your angels to camp around this place, God. God, that You would have Your will, Your way, in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
This morning, as we've read the text, we find a host of problems that I may or may not deal with later in the sermon. I just wanted to read through them to take a look at where Jesus was at. In our text, we have so many needs. First of all, we've got a father. A father who is frantically trying to find help for his son. A father who's concerned about everything that he has tried to do that has not helped and is concerned that if something doesn't change, someday his son is going to die. A father who's watched his son be seized by a demon spirit and thrown towards fires and thrown towards water. Who has watched his son fall to the ground and foam out of the mouth at times. The father is frustrated because he can't help. He's frustrated because he brought the boy to the to Jesus' disciples and they couldn't help. Obviously, doctors couldn't help. And he's frustrated. He has a real need. Not only do we have a father in our story that is in real need of help, we actually have his son in great need of help. Demon-possessed, foaming out of the mouth, at times losing control of his own functions, of his own body. Not only do we have a father in need of help, do we have a son that's demon-possessed, but we have Jesus' own disciples who have an extreme lack of faith. Jesus rebuked His disciples there in front of everybody. He said, oh, you faithless generation, how long am I going to have to bear with you? His disciples come to Him later and say, why couldn't we cast the demon out? By this stage in Jesus' ministry, Jesus has already sent His disciples out to heal sick, heal the sick and to cast demons out. And they have already done that earlier on. And so their question is, why could we not do it with this particular demon? Jesus' response is, it's your lack of faith. His response is, some things only come by prayer and fasting. In other words, you've got to be prepared for demonic warfare at any given time. Jesus didn't send the boy away and say, well, let me pray and fast about this for a moment. Jesus immediately cast out that demon. And his response to his disciples was, this kind only goes forth by prayer and fasting. Some think this kind means certain demons. Some think this kind means a certain type of faith. Quite frankly, I don't care what it means. The point is not whether it's demons or a certain kind of faith. The point is, God's people need to live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting whereby we are ready at any given time to face the demonic attacks of the enemy against the people of this world. And so not only do we have a father who is in a destitute situation, hopelessly unable to help his child, not only do we have a child who is demon-possessed, who is foaming out of the mouth, who needs help and deliverance, we have the disciples now who are unable to do anything about it. And not only that, as we read, we see that the the Pharisees and scribes are questioning Jesus' disciples while Jesus isn't there. Doesn't tell us what they're questioning, but no doubt it's probably something similar to this. How come you can't cast it out? If you guys are really Jesus' disciples, and if you're really the new thing, and if you're really the promise of the coming Messiah, and you're His disciples, where is your power? And then you have, on top of this, all the people in the valley that are standing back watching this thing take place. I will call them the undecideds. 
No doubt there are many undecideds here this morning. You're not ready to say you don't believe in Jesus and His power. You're willing to acknowledge that He's done a lot of great things, but you're not real sure that He is the only way, the truth, the life, the only way to heaven, the only answer to your to your uh, to hope in your life. You're not convinced of that. And like many of the people that were there as bystanders, you stand by and you're kind of watching to see what takes place. Kind of watching to see who forms the better argument. Kind of watching to see who seems to have the most influence over the situation. There's a lot going on in our story. Before we deal with a lot that's going on in our story, this morning I want you to notice something very significant. In Mark chapter 9, we have probably the greatest experience, spiritual experience, that Jesus and His three closest disciples ever experienced while here on earth. That being in verses 2 and 3 and 4. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart from themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say. For they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came over and shadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now in verse 9 it says, Now as they came down from the mountain. And then in verse 14, and when He came to the disciples. It's very important you understand the context of our Scripture reading this morning. This enormous need that Jesus has walked into came immediately on the heels of the experience where Jesus was transfigured before His disciples on the mountain. And they came down from the mountain into the valley. They came down from the mountain into the valley at the base of the mountain where all of these people were. Can I tell you this morning, the miracles happen in the valley. And before I deal with the valley experience, I want to deal with the mountaintop experience. It's good and it's healthy for us to have mountaintop experiences from time to time. It is absolutely necessary for God's people to learn how to climb that mountain and press into the presence of God and see the power and glory of God and bask in that and, and be reminded of how great our God is. But church, we have to understand that God's will for us is not to live on the mountain, 
Not now, not here, not in this world, not in this day and time. There will come a time when there will be no more sin, when we will forever, if you will, be on that mountain and will no longer have to deal with sickness and pain and sorrow. But so long as the world is how it is, so long as we're waiting on our Lord to return, we must learn that we cannot live on the mountain. We have to descend into the valley where the needs of the people are because there's a lot going on in the valley. Too many Christians spend their whole experience just trying to get up to the mountaintop. Experience after experience after experience after experience. And they think that's what Christianity is all about. After the greatest experience that these three disciples had ever experienced seeing Jesus transfigured, Moses and Elijah there, Peter said what the other two were thinking. Peter was just brave enough to say it. And dumb enough to say it. But Peter reveals the same truth about all of our hearts. What did Peter say? He said, hey, let's stay here. All the other disciples are back behind. He knows there's a lot of stuff going on and people waiting for Jesus to show up. But Peter says, let's stay here. Whoa, let's build three tabernacles. One for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for you, Jesus. I often wonder in Jesus' humanity what he thought about Peter. I wonder if he looked over at Moses and said, is he with you? Who's this guy? How'd he get into the show? But Peter's like a lot of us, really. We just want the experience. And it's a great experience. I mean, it, it, was a, it was the most amazing experience of his life. It was spiritual. It was God-given. God showed up and God Himself spoke from the cloud. This is my Son. Hear Him. There's a lesson for us to be learned. Brothers and sisters, and especially this morning, people of ministry, those of you who have taken your Christian walk beyond just showing up and listening to me preach, those of you who have realized there is a purpose for your life, those of you who have realized that your workplace is your mission field. That your school is your mission field. That your family is your mission field. Those of you who have realized that God wants to use you to reach the people in your life that I'll never see. People of ministry, I'll call you this morning. We must learn the work takes place in the valley. And oh, how important it is that we learn to climb the mountain of God and to get strength and encouragement from God and to have that alone, intimate, personal time with God where you're thinking to yourself, I just wish everybody else could be here and see what I see and hear what I hear and experience what I experience. But we learn from our text this morning the goal is not to take everybody else there. The goal is to go down to where they're at and meet them in their time of need. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The miracle in the valley. We have to be willing to press into the valley because there's work to be done there. And you need to know something about the valley. Ministry. The place where ministry really occurs. Where miracles happen. You just need to know this. Sometimes it's chaos. It's okay. Our story is chaos, folks. There's a lot going on. And if you're not careful, 
You'll try to push into ministry and push into the valley and you'll get down there and it is loud and it is crazy and there's a lot of people that are hurt and there's people that are mad and there's people that are arguing and there's some guy that's, that needs help with his son and there's a son that needs help and, 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 and it's overwhelming. And you know what our original, our first instinct is? Run back up the mountain. Get back up there. And I say in all candor, there wasn't anybody on the mountain that needed healed. There wasn't anybody on the mountain that was hurting. There wasn't anybody on the mountain that was confused, trying to figure out what are they going to do with life? What do they believe? The people of ministry, we have to be willing to push into the valley. We have to be willing to go there and to go there intentionally. To enter into other people's pain. To enter into other people's struggles. To go where they're at and say, how can we help? What can I do? And if you're going to take that step, the first thing you've got to be prepared for, sometimes it's going to be chaos. It's okay. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't think that something's wrong. Our instincts run back up that mountain where we feel safe and we feel like, oh, God's there. God is with you in the valley. And if we'll look at our text, our Savior came down off of the mountain and went into the valley and started asking, what's the needs here? What are you talking to the disciples about? Where's the Father that needs help? Tell me about your Son. And we see that our Savior is the great answer to this world's dilemmas. We have to understand the purpose of the mountaintop experiences. They're not simply so that we can live there and bask in them and never go down to the valleys where real need, uh, where people in real need are at. I believe that the mountaintop experiences give us strength so that we can go down into the valley. I believe that the mountaintop experiences give us just a little foretaste of what is to come. To remind us that it's not always going to be work. It's not always going to be hard. It's not always going to be conflict. It's not always going to be difficult. There's not always going to be sin and sickness. And on that mountaintop experience, we're reminded of that. We're reminded of our hope. And we're reminded that the reason we do what we do as God's people is not because it's always easy. It's not because it always makes sense. It's not because everybody pats us on the back and says, thank you for caring about me. We do what we do because when we were in the valley, Jesus came to where we were and He raised us up and He met our need. And He's preparing us a place in heaven where one day there'll be no more valleys, if you will. There'll be no more pain and sorrow. And the mountaintop experience reminds us that our hope is one that is still yet to come. So let us go down to the valley where people are. And let us enter into their troubles and help them. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let us be the body of Christ. There is need for help in the valley. So what is life like in the valley? You're going to enter the valley and you're going to become a person of ministry. What is life like there? I've already told you it's chaos. You're going to find there's a lot of people that need help. Can I tell you the truth? You're going to find there's more people that need help than you can help. 
And he that has ears to hear this morning, let him hear. That's why we need a lot of us to learn to go down to the valley. And to work in the valley. The valley of this world. Where hurting and confused people are. What is life like in the valley? You'll find there are some people like this father and his son. That are just ready for help. And they're willing to listen to what you have to say. They're willing to try your advice. They're willing to do whatever it takes. And I'll submit to you, those are the type of people that you're really going to be able to help. But the truth is, they're not the only people you'll find in the valley. You'll find the scribes there who come to oppose everything you do. Who not only want to oppose what you do, their job is to, hum- to publicly humiliate you and try to make you look stupid. Hey, it's part of being in the valley. If you're going to enter into ministry, you're going to have to get past that brother or sister. This isn't about you anyways. It's not about how you look or what people think or don't think about you. This is about being about our Father's business. And in the valley, what's life like in the valley when you really enter in to that world of troubles and try to help people? You'll find there's some people that just mock you and, and, and continually try to make you look stupid. Get over it. So what? So what? Somebody doesn't understand what you're trying to say. You're going to give up and quit helping people? Are you going to become so wounded that you decide you're going to live the life the rest of your life somewhere halfway between the, the mountain, uh, halfway between the mountain and halfway uh, between the valley? Where you know you don't really want to go up and spend time with God because you're disobeying what He's told you to do. But you don't really want to go down to the valley because you're afraid you're going to get hurt there. So you try to live somewhere in between where you feel like you're doing both and really you're not doing either. You know why people in the valley try to hurt sometimes? Because they're hurt. That's why. Because hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. But we've got to go anyways. We've got to reach out anyways. You know what else you find in the valley? People of ministry. You find a lot of these in the valley. You find the disciples. True believers. True followers of Christ. Who are there. And it is said of them. Verse 18. The last sentence. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. But they could not. You know what we find a lot in the valley? Many of us, and it is said of us, when there is need, we could not. If we're going to be in the valley, we have to be able. Understand, I was going to talk simple to you this morning about this point. It's a very important point. Understand, they said, we brought the boy to your disciples. He couldn't heal him. Couldn't cast the demon out. Jesus' response was not this. Well, that's because they're not able. And I wasn't here. His response was, oh, you faithless generation. And when they got away from there, they said, why couldn't we cast it out? 
He says some things, this kind, goes forth only by prayer and fasting. And we see, I'm going to try to put it in the simplest terms I can. We see His disciples, people of ministry, who are not as truly devoted and serious about the call of God on their life as they should be. That's the nuts and bolts of it. Who are living off of past, as so many Christians do, past victories. There wasn't any need for them to pray and fast. These were the disciples. They had cast out demons at a time before. They had worked miracles at a time before. And you know what happened? They began living their life like so many of us, flippantly. Thinking that God owes us something. That just because I am, that's why God's going to use me. That's why God's going to hear my prayers. And, and, and the, the true humble devotion and dependency upon God each and every day to say, God, number one, help me to be sensitive to the needs in the valley. Help me to understand and see what you see. Help me to see who's hurting today that needs a hand. Help me to see who's broken inside that needs a word of encouragement. Lord, help me today to see what you see and to be engaged in your work. Let me ask you, Christian brother. Let me ask you, Christian sister. When is the last time you woke up and honestly prayed that about your day? Or do you just think it's mysteriously going to happen? Are you just so spiritual that it just happens automatically for you? If your response is, yeah, that's kind of how I've been, isn't it amazing that recently you haven't heard much or seen much from God? We've got to depend upon Him. And then not only do we have to depend upon Him to help us to see needs and to be sensitive to what He's doing, then we have to depend upon Him to strengthen us to meet those needs. We can't do anything without Christ. That's what He said. Without me, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing concerning anything eternal, of any eternal significance, of anything that God would look at and say that is fruit worthy of calling fruit that honors me and brings me glory. Jesus said, without me, you can do none of that. And we see these disciples, while they're in the valley and they're in the right place and they're there and there's needs. As a matter of fact, people are even bringing people to these disciples saying, can you help them? One of the saddest statements in the entire New Testament is said of these disciples, and they could not. It breaks my heart to think about how often that is said of the church. And they could not. You see, it's one thing if somebody doesn't really want healed. It's one thing if somebody isn't honest about their wickedness and their need for a Savior. It's one thing if a person refuses to admit that they are in error and that they need help. But it's a whole different ballgame when somebody comes with a contrite heart and a broken spirit and says, I want healed. And this is what the man came. And this is what he said. And they still, with that honest heart to find deliverance and healing, it was said of his disciples, they could not. 
I can stand before you with an honest heart and tell you I have cried out to God. God, let that never be said of us. Let it not be said of us that we are so powerless and fake and just going through the motions that when real people needed real help, they couldn't find it at Crossway Church. Because God is able. He is still the great deliverer. And this morning, I don't know what you're facing, and I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know all the struggles in your life, and I don't know what valley you might be in at this stage in your life, but I know this, God has the power to deliver you. He has the power to heal. He has the power to save. He has the power to forgive. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is still the great God Almighty, and there is none other but Him. And I believe that this very morning, if there is a need in your life, God can meet that need. God, let it never be said of us that we are not able. That when real people were honestly seeking for help, that they couldn't find it. Don't let the valley discourage you. Be thankful that God came to you when you were in yours. And I tell you this morning that real ministry is real work. Real ministry is real work. Ministry is not a title. It's possible to have the, the, the title of pastor and be no pastor at all. It's possible to have the title of Sunday school teacher and be no real teacher at all. It's possible to have the title of worship leader and not be a worship leader at all. Ministry is not a title. It's not even a position. Ministry is work. It is something we do. Real ministry is the blood, sweat, tears, and endurance of Calvary's cross. That's what real ministry looks like. If you want to see ministry at its absolute greatest strength ever, on example, Look at Calvary. That's ministry. It's not about the spotlight. It's not about having a certain title. It's not about looking like you're uh, religiously intelligent. Real ministry is real work. You need to know that if you're going to enter into the valley. You've you got to know it. There's fights down there. There's There's... Religious fights, there's people that are hurting, there's people that are sick, there's people that need healed, there's demonic uh, possession, there's all sorts of things in the valley. But can I say this morning, church, if we don't go, who else will? We are the body of Christ. The simplest statement I can make it is this we are the answer. We are. There is no other answer. There's none. None but Jesus. And we are the body of Christ. If we don't go, no one else can. And no one else will. And we have to be willing to push into that place and help meet the needs of those in the valley. This morning, in Song of Solomon, it says of Jesus, that He is the lily of the valleys. It's a really interesting statement. It's interesting because lily is singular. Valleys is plural. He is the 
lily, not a lily, not one of many. He is the lily of the valleys, plural. There's only one person I know that can be in all places at all times, and that's God Himself. There's only one that I know of that somehow, someway has the ability to sprout up out of the ground and let off that beautiful fragrance that the lily lets off and to shine its white brightness in every single valley around the world at the same time in His name is Jesus Christ. He is the lily of the valleys. And this morning, He is the lily of your valley. He will meet you in your time of need. He will heal you when you need healed. He will touch your broken heart. He will save your lost soul. He will change your black heart and wash it and make it white as snow if you'll simply come to Him in your time of need. He is the lily of the valleys. Now it's time that we be the lily in the valleys. Go ahead and ask them to prepare a song of invitation. I'm going to be short this morning. Now it's time that we be the lily in the valleys. This is the way the church is really supposed to work. Some of you will go into valleys tomorrow morning that I will never know of. I will never be there. I can't go and I can't be the lily there. But you can. If we're going to do the best we can as a body, Every one of us has got to come down from the mountain. You know what? It's almost like our church meetings are the mountain. It's where we come together and we worship and we experience God and we get charged up. And I encourage you in your own personal time to climb that mountain of God and spend time with God and hear from Him and see Him and experience Him. But I think so many of us don't understand. Christianity is not about living there or staying there. It's about going down to the valleys. I think so many of us go into the valleys every week and you don't even know why you're there. Don't realize you're supposed to be the lily. Bloom, sprout, let off that aroma, that fragrance of Christ so that people know there's some hope there in the valley. So many of us just go through the days and and we walk through the valleys and we have no idea. You're there for a reason. You are meant to be the lily in that valley. Shine. Be bright as you can. Fragrant as you can. Help as many people as you can. So this morning I'm speaking to two groups of people. Christians. We've got to be willing to come down from the mountain and enter into the valley of work. Where is your valley? Secondly, I'm speaking to those of you that are in the valley. You're in the valley and it's painful there and it's confusing and you feel like you don't have answers and all that you know is is you need somebody to help. Listen to me this morning. Jesus is the answer to every problem that you face. He is the answer. He is the strength to your weakness, the hope to your hopelessness, the healing to your woundedness. Jesus is the answer the hope of salvation. Will you come to Him this morning the way that father and his boy came and just fall before Him and say, Lord, touch me. Meet me in my time of need and have Your way with me. Lord, I pray that You move all across this room in Jesus' name. Have Your way this morning. You are the lily of the valley. Thank You, God, that You came to us. Lord, You came down to where we were. 
Oh, God, let us continue to climb the mountain and worship You. Let us continue, Father, to find You in that place and to experience Your glory and to experience Your power. But, Lord, let us understand there is a need to descend from that mountain into the valley of work. And, God, may we do it boldly. God, may we go and help those that need help. May we be willing, in Jesus' name. May we say with an honest heart, Lord, here are we. Sir.